0: this is a dice of Brussels Salzburg well ah uh, gosh just thinking back over the uh, what two and a half years of doing this it's not often that I do events or uh, podcasts like this where things have gone really oddly if that's the right word maybe that's a euphemism uh you know I think back to that uh, supper. Uh, back in November last year, where uh, the Commission started briefing against uh, Theresa May, and that was all a bit sordid and, and unpleasant. Um, but not really anything like this. You know, we've had European councils, which have been a bit tricky, and we've kind of had to and fro. And yet, here we are with this informal meeting of the heads of state and government uh, in Salzburg, and uh, really uh, very difficult and uh, potentially uh, problematic uh, developments uh, as uh, we go through. So let's maybe just uh, think about how we're going to split this up. I think we should talk about what we we thought would happen at Salzburg, what did happen at Salzburg, and what it all means uh, in the context of uh, Brexit. In the run-up to this meeting, um, it was clear that Salzburg was going to be a a key point for both the EU and the UK. It was the the last point really for some uh, more unstructured discussions, informal discussions between the different parties before uh, the October European Council, which is where it was originally planned that there would be a, a deal and a signing off. It was also really the first opportunity since the summer Uh, to sit down and uh, see where we were off the back of uh, the checkers plan and the white paper that had come out in uh, June, July uh, this year. So it's a staging post and everyone knew it was a staging post and the EU had said, well, you know, it's not really about Uh, Brexit, you know, it's much more about uh, migration, uh, internal security, and that was actually what most of the discussion was about, not that you'd know that from the uh, British press, press coverage. So the intention really was about touching base, seeing where we were, an opportunity for people to signal intentions. Uh, along the way. And I think one of the the things that we expected we would see would be the EU showing that really they wanted to stick with Theresa May. Now it's a slightly uh, semantic point in that it's not necessarily about sticking with Theresa May's plans uh, because they had been very clear all summer that the plans have not been uh, acceptable in their current form but rather that if you lose uh, uh, those plans completely, you potentially lose Theresa May as uh, Prime Minister and then you end up with another big delay to get to a new Prime Minister and that individual might well be someone who is less uh, amenable to finding a solution, uh, less able to find a solution uh, that works for both sides. So. The expectation was that there would be some warmer words, and uh, in the run-up in recent weeks, we've kind of seen instances where people have said things, and there has been an, an effort to try and uh, get uh, those that warmth uh, come through. Um, interestingly, though, you know, there, there was no suggestion that that came with a softening of positions uh, or. With something that might be a, uh, a concession to the UK. Rather, it was, uh, it was purely about, let's, let's say that we, we're making progress, we can find things that we agree on, uh, we can uh, keep on moving on. And that was important then for the UK side because uh, given the continuing challenge that Theresa May's had domestically on the Chequers plan, it looked like, you know, well, if uh, she could show that the EU thought it was a bit more viable, then she could say, well, look, you might not like it, but in terms of what we can agree, this is probably as good as we can get playing between the, the two, the domestic and the, uh, the international levels of this negotiation. So the expectation was, was that it might be a bit uh, fuzzy, that we might get some uh, nice things being said. But I I don't think anyone realistically expected that there would be any big breakthrough. And certainly there was a lot of uh, playing down of uh, breakthrough uh, on substance uh, at this point. So what went wrong? Uh, Or what went right? Well, actually, much of what we thought would happen in Salzburg is what happened. Uh, There were... Some discussions, uh, both bilateral discussions between May and people like Tusk, Varadkar, other key people in the process. Uh, But also there was some uh, roundtable discussion. Uh, So on the dinner on Wednesday night, uh, Theresa May was given a slot to explain where she was and what she was trying to do. Now... uh, that seems to have been part of the issue, that uh, that intervention over dinner uh, was by reports taken to be uh, rather hard-nosed, uh, rather inflexible, uh, very much still wedded to checkers as the only way forward, uh, and not really very conciliatory Uh, or uh, grounded it in the the possibility of concessions. And that really underlined uh, a piece that uh, May had had published in Die Welt, a German paper, uh, on Wednesday morning, which said basically the same thing. Now, uh, I've read one report which said that she actually read out sections of that article at dinner, which is both odd and uh, indeed uh, pointless, uh, given that... uh, leaders would have been briefed about what she had written. So uh, yeah, there are kind of stylistic issues uh, there. The other thing that really seems to have been an issue is the bilateral meeting she had with Leo Varadkar, the Irish uh, Taoiseach, uh, on Thursday morning, uh, where she said that she had no further advances on the backstop issue. Now, uh, regular listeners and anyone who cares about uh, Brexit stuff. We'll know that the Irish dimension is the key stumbling block at this stage. Um, the propo- where we're at is that the proposals uh, we've got in the March uh, draft of the joint uh, of the uh, withdrawal agreement are still what we're working to. So it's basically six months we've had of the same position, uh, the same problems. Um, and uh, the UK has not come up with anything really that advances uh, beyond that, that Checkers is uh, sort of a, a reconfiguration of an um, original plan that uh, uh, Theresa May had re- revolving around customs, uh, but really didn't uh, move the debate on. So the concern on the part of the EU was that the UK was... Not only talking tough, but was uh, acting tough too. That it wasn't coming to the table in a conciliatory kind of way. Linked to that, there also seems to be a, a view uh, from the British side that uh, they have been making some concessions on issues, and that it's now for the EU to to reciprocate in kind. And I think that my impression is that there was a sort of a feeling that somehow. Uh, Salzburg would be a point at which that conciliation uh, would be uh, evidenced, that there would be talk about softening on this or that. When it was always been very clear is that the EU sees this very much as the UK's problem rather than uh, the EU's problem, the, the UK decided to leave, it's got to come up with uh, a proposal about what it wants and how it's going to achieve that in a way that's compliant with uh, the structure of the EU it's not for them to sort out the UK's mess. Now, uh, if both sides are waiting for the other one to uh, do something, then you can imagine that then they might feel a bit frustrated when neither uh, does that. So, to an extent, what Salzburg was about was uh, actually just bringing more publicly the uh, differences that the two sides have that have been always very clear, that have been said many times before, but just doing it in a way that's uh, much less ambiguous. Uh, And at the same time, uh, that being provoked by uh, a degree of uh, insensitivity on the part of uh, the British about how they're going to deal with the next uh, block of time. Now that next block of time is really crucial. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, the intention originally was that October, so in about four weeks' time uh the European Council then was going to be the point at which a deal could be signed, and then we could move to ratification over the summer. that's looked less and less likely, and there was talk about either leaving it until the December European Council or alternatively having an emergency uh, meeting in November now. In recent weeks, that November option looked uh, ever more likely. The, the discounting on an agreement in October uh, got ever higher. The one thing that really uh, was striking uh, about uh, Donald Tusk's comments at his press conference on uh, the Thursday afternoon was saying that he wasn't going to agree the European Council uh, for November unless... October's meeting demonstrated what he termed maximum progress that uh, he's now put a condition on that November meeting which is that things need to move very quickly in the next four weeks now that's problematic for a number of reasons, firstly in the uh, way of things, four weeks is not a long time uh, for making what are potentially quite big movements of positions. Um, it's not simply that the, Theresa May can rock up in Brussels in October and say, "I've got a plan. Let's sit down, thrash it out. You know, lock the door, come out uh, a few hours later, and we're done." Rather, the U- UK will have to come forward with proposals well before then, weeks before, and they all need to be discussed and debated with uh, at a more technical and ambassadorial level. Uh, with the chief negotiators, and only uh, if they can find a broad agreement, will it be taken up to the principles at the European Council level. So, to do that, you need to be starting very, very soon indeed. That may be in the next week or so. The problem is, is that it's another ten days until Theresa May has her party conference, and domestically speaking, uh, she doesn't really seem to be in a position where she can make big concessions to the EU, which will inevitably be public and well known, uh, just at the point that her entire parliamentary party and uh, a lot of her party members are gathering for a conference where they can do things to her position that might uh, fatally compromise her. So the thinking domestically had always been was that she would get through her party conference and that then she would come back uh, to the negotiating table and then be in a bit more of a, an open position. That doesn't really leave enough time to go and do the big movement. So still, finding a solution for October looks almost impossible, I would say, at this stage. Uh, so w- the question is, what progress can be made? How much of the... How, much can you get the ball rolling in the next four weeks. So here we have the EU really trying to correct impressions uh, in Salzburg. Uh, I think there was a concern that the reporting of the warm words uh, back in the UK was that they were about to uh, gear up for a concession of some kind, that they were going to Uh, give way on some important point, Um, and that has never been the EU's intention. The EU feels that it has been very clear from almost literally day one about what it wants, what is and isn't acceptable. Uh, And central in that is the integrity of the single market, and then uh, subsequently the uh, essential requirement of a backstop arrangement for Ireland should alternative arrangements not be possible. So the EU, I think, will feel that it now has benchmarked its position a bit more, uh, obviously, uh, that it will hope that the scales fall from the eyes of those who are involved uh, a bit more. And, well, hopefully that this will give a a shock to the system that uh, this has all got a uh, real... And that the the UK actually needs to pull its finger out and get moving. The problem is, is that on the UK side, there is a degree of uh, frustration, annoyance, irritation. Uh, again, Theresa May talking about this as sort of being a negotiating tactic. You know that saying you don't like something is a negotiating tactic, and you know again saying, well, they would say this, wouldn't they? That they you know trying to squeeze some concession out of the UK. And yes, the EU is trying to squeeze a concession in the sense of uh, the EU thinks the UK's policy is not acceptable at this stage and so needs to change. Now, the EU is would prefer to have close relations. Uh, it would uh, however accept closer uh, less close relations if the alternative was uh, no relations at all. So still the preference is a, cl- a close deal, a less close deal, and very distantly in uh, third place is no deal at all. So the, the EU wants the UK to make the necessary adjustments so that it either sits fully in, uh, more fully and properly in a close relationship, so single market alignment, customs union alignment, uh, membership of those things as necessary, doing things uh, closely. Oral tends to be saying, well, let's not try and do this uh, bodge job of checkers. Let's drop that uh, common rule book for goods. You know, effectively trying to have a single market for for goods, free movement of goods. Uh, instead, just let's go back to something like a free trade agreements uh, of the kind that we have with Canada, plus, of course, uh, with uh, the particular arrangements for Northern Ireland. Now, that's really where the 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 issue is going to come. I think uh, a lot of uh, the Conservative Party think well if we can't have this fudge then we go down to the the more distant relationship that Canada plus type model but still that doesn't address the issue of Northern Ireland. There's still a very strong determination that you cannot have uh, different arrangements for different parts of the UK um, that that's tantamount to breaking up the union uh, that there will be issues with the DUP uh, in Parliament if nothing else uh, there will be issues with Scotland who will say well if the Northern Irish can have that we want the same too all of these things are uh, difficult so uh, solving one problem means uh, growing another one and I think that that's uh, a real uh, difficulty and a, a challenge for may so where does this leave us then what you know what's what's the way out of this well uh for some they would argue that the way out of it is just to walk away this is the eu showing its true colors that you've got to do everything or do nothing so we should just do nothing uh and you know let's be be done with it all the alternative view is one that i think is probably more likely which is we need to remember what is trying to be agreed at this point the withdrawal agreement is not an agreement about the whole of everything it's not all of brexit it's just about wrapping up the old relationship it's about dealing with the financial liabilities the regulatory and the legal uh, responsibilities that are there and then you know some transitional arrangements to get us to the future. That's all that the withdrawal agreement covers. Now, that matters because checkers is really about the future relationship. It's about how things will be uh, in our bright uh, future when everyone's happy and we don't argue with each other. Now, those two things are different things. The connection is is that. What we're going to, what we're working to in negotiation terms is this withdrawal agreement, the draft of which we already have, and then attach that a political declaration which says this is how, this is our aspiration to work towards this uh, form of a relationship. And there you can put in language about the checkers kind of relationship or that another kind of relationship or whatever you know the thing that kind of writes itself it's a bit uh, blah blah it's a bit fluffy uh it's warm words and uh, we mustn't forget our joint destinies or our joint history or our joint experience or whatever that political declaration is not legally binding in the way that the withdrawal agreement is and it has some force uh, in political terms, it has a lot of false political terms, but it's not a legally binding document, not least because it's aspirational. It's about how we would like things to turn out. You know, how we, what what are we aiming towards? How are we going to try and get there? But inevitably, it won't be a, an accurate and complete re- reflection because you can only do that by having those negotiations, which haven't started yet. So, with that in mind, what? May The only thing that May will want to do is that if she's taking uh, an agreement back to Parliament, what she's taking back is the withdrawal agreement. And to offset how that looks, uh, which is bad stuff for the UK, you've got to pay off your debts and your liabilities, you've got to accept uh, a transition period where you're a pure rule taker, you do everything that a member state does except for uh, have a vote and a voice, uh, all those things look pretty awful. So, what she needs is a political declaration that looks detailed, that looks credible, that looks a bit more binding on everybody. And that's where she can put the uh, checkers uh, model to offset uh, the rest of it. And particularly if you think about Northern Ireland, the withdrawal agreement contains the backstop, i.e., it's legally binding. She needs then the political declaration to say that backstop only comes into effect if we uh, can't agree something else. But we've already provisionally agreed that this is the way we're going to get round uh, having to put that backstop into effect. So there's, it's, a, it's a political decision, but it's a much more limited political decision than the one of saying right now we have to agree the future relationship. So the more manageable political thing is whether she tries to just do that, that she says, let's just get a form of words in the political declaration, get this agreement signed and sealed and ratified so that we can leave on the 29th of March next year, and then we'll work out how we're going to compromise checkers as we go along. Now, that's uh, a bit of a risky strategy to put it mildly but frankly at this point there are no non-risky strategies available to the UK or indeed the EU. What uh, remains to be seen is whether a form of words can be found, whether Parliament will accept that uh, as a compromise uh, or uh, whether, you know, this is uh, just something that's just uh, another uh, punt. The real problem with this model, which is effectively is what's been called now a, a blind Brexit because you you leave without really knowing what you're heading towards, is precisely that, that you don't know for sure what your future relationship's going to be. It, it also means that that transition period uh, through to 2020, the end of 2020, is... Definitely not long enough, because it means you won't have got nearly far enough along those future relationship discussions to have a chance of getting a a text in place by the end of 2020. That was uh, uh, woefully optimistic uh, even before all of uh, this week's uh, events. So, the danger is is that solving, well, no, not solving, uh, that in sidestepping a problem now, that you end up creating a a bigger problem further down the line. And it's a bigger problem because the UK will be in a uh, different position because it will no longer be a member state. It will be together with the EU in a transition period that is highly problematic to extend. we know that there are serious legal questions about whether it can be extended, there are some reports today that perhaps you could have another uh, mechanism for extending transition, uh, but those details uh, are vague and uh, from what I've seen I, I can't really see how they can be made legal uh, in all of this. So. Potentially, to avoid that cliff edge on the 29th of March 2019, you simply have replaced it with an even more stark cliff edge on the 31st of December 2020. Now, uh, if I've learned anything in the last couple of years, it's that uh, politicians' timelines don't extend uh, a year and a bit uh, into the future. Uh, Right now, a lot of uh, political calculations have been made on the basis of what needs to happen today, uh, perhaps next week. So, uh, with that in mind, that makes it perhaps more likely that we end up with this blind Brexit model. What we'll see in the next couple of days is how the domestic reaction to Salzburg plays out, whether May uh, doubles down on her intransigence, whether she is forced by the party to make some kind of statement, but uh, this is not a happy place for the negotiations. Um, Salzburg was supposed to be about de-dramatisation, to use uh, Michel Barnier's words, taking the heat out of the, the, the topic and uh, helping to move things on. That has decidedly not happened. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think both sides have got something uh, to answer for in that. But uh, the clock keeps ticking. The pressure of making some real progress in the next few weeks uh, grows markedly. uh, And, uh, well, that gives us more things to talk about. But until then, I'll stop there.